Welcome back to Cinema 7. I'm your host, Mario B. I'm hosting this episode, and with me today is my man, Chris Hawk. Chris Hawk! Chris Hawk is in the building. Chris Hawk is here. Uh, John Kenoki is still missing. Um, we cannot find John Kenoki. If you can help us locate him, use the hashtag John, where you at on social media. You know, tag us in it, you know, whatever. Uh, maybe he's, Hi, you know, John. help us find where he is. Dear John, where are you? Like the movie, Dear John, but Dear John, we're mi- you're missing. We need to find you, John. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know that you know that song by Eminem, Stan. It's uh, it's John now. That Eminem did a whole song about John. Yeah, this is John. John, where you at? Maybe he got abducted. Maybe he got transported back in time, like an Outlander. Maybe he's uh, you know, in another dimension. Who knows? Well, John, John Kenoki might be in his cocoon of immortality right now. That's true. That's true. I forgot about that. John Kenoki <laughs> is immortal, guys. Yeah. So he's been around. I mean, he once roomated with Da Vinci, Leonardo Da Vinci. Da Vinci. Um, you may know him as, you know, like world famous, but uh, John once told us that he used to make all this crap and just leave it everywhere. And John had to move out because, you know, he got this crap everywhere. He said he called them inventions or something. but. You know, John's immortal, and we don't know where he is, but he could be in that coon of immortality, you know, housing his, his young lion juices, <laughs> staying young. <laughs> he's, he's in that immortal club, you know, with uh, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Nicolas Cage, what about that? But today, yeah, um, we're going to be reviewing- I'm going to steal the Declaration this- of Independence. <laughs> We're going to be discussing, giving our grades and stuff on War for the Planet of the Apes. It's the third installment in the uh, franchise of the new Planet of the Apes franchise. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, Chris Hawk, how's your week been, man, since we last talked on uh, Spider-Man Homecoming? It's been busy. I can imagine. I mean, you said you had to work all day today. I did have to work all day today. I, uh, I was just, sometimes, like when we're all done installing stuff, we have to test it, and to test it, it it requires long periods of waiting. Oh my and god, that sounds and boring. It is incredibly boring. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, War for the Planet of the Apes is our uh, movie subject today. But before we get there, we're gonna talk about uh, some movie news. News, 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 news. First off, with the news, big, uh, big thing or most recent thing. Uh, brought to you by uh, my good friend Screen Rant because I love them so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, they're talking about mi- remaking uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers again. You know, this how many iterations of Invasions of the Body Snatchers do we need? I think we've what Nicole Kidman did one, yeah, that was then, just Invasion, yeah, that was just Invasion, and then I, and I think like There's one in the 70s. What, how many times can you redo this movie? I just, I think the niche for this type of movie of aliens taking over humans or like a biological creature taking over humans, I just think it's, it's, it, we're past that almost. I, I just, yeah. unless you find ways to creatively make it new, I just, um, this, it's, unless, you know, maybe it's part of the dark universe 
Ooh, that'd be kind of interesting. <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde's got to do something to, you know, destroy yeah. the uh, invasion. Get one of those pea pods that the uh, aliens, uh, the people, the new people come out in. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, it could work. Maybe if they did it like a, uh, if they do something new, maybe they do the, uh, the camcorder thing. Oh like my the, God, uh... please no. <laughs> Well, you know, it's a cool concept, actually, that you mention it, doing, like, a found footage Invasion of the Body Snatchers movie. It just have to be done right and have to be done very seriously because think if it's, it's gonna be just, corny in it's, any way, yeah. it's going to be so bad. Do you think it should be more horror or more sci-fi? Um, I think it should be more sci-fi, but I think it shouldn't be to the point of the Nicole Kidman one because that kind of had a little weird futuristic uh, sense to it in a way. Like, it was just... The way they did it was a lot different compared to the other two. It would have to be more, you know, kind of like cheesy, I think, like classic sci-fi. But also, I think it would have to have a sense of, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, like a serious sci-fi, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's just going to be hard because, you know, there's going to be twist after twist because, you know, that. They're probably not going to reveal which character is under the control until, like, you know, until, like, if it's a very, like, the climax. So it could be, like, a double, 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 double twist. So you're kind of going to expect that type of twist. Yeah. Unless the twist is that there never really was an invasion of the body snatchers, and this was all just the government program to, re- to really see how humans act underneath a microscope. Okay. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not really much to talk about. I guess we'll see what they do with it and if there's more to come with that. Another thing, Ryan Johnson kind of mentioned that, uh, The Last Jedi won't have too much comparisons to Empire Strikes Back because that's a big, uh, thing. You know, people, you know, they said Force Awakens was like New Hope, maybe because this one's you the second. You mean Force install- Awakens was a New Hope? <laughs> um... In a way, there was, yeah, it was. I was just talking about that movie the other day with my uncle. We were like talking about how the hype for it going into the theater was awesome. And then, you know, when you see it, it's awesome. But then, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we've talked about it before, too. When you watch it at home, you're kind of like, eh, it's okay. It's, it's the type of movies that J.J. Uh, Abrams does, in which that they're really, really good when you first see them. But after second, third viewings, it, the magic kind of wears off very fast. And I, and I think, it all deals with the mystery box thing. I don't know if you've seen his TED Talks about the mystery box. Mm-mm. It's a very nice talk, but it kind of it flows through all his movies that once you know the mystery and how the workings of his movie, I wouldn't say they're bad. It's just that it's, the rewatchability is not as high as other movies are. Yeah, I can see that. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to be like Empire. Um, it looks like it could be different, but I guess we'll see. He says that uh, he he has said on Twitter that it has more cues, or he said in an interview it has more cues to like more relations to Return of the Return of the Jedi, Return but, of the uh, King, huh? <laughs> <laughs> there's only one. Re- there's only one return. <laughs> so it's of the do- Jedi. From the trailers we've seen, though, I've only seen things that make it remind me of Empire. It seems like a very dour trailer. It seems like anything, anything that could go wrong goes wrong, just like an empire. And it's, it feel, 
like you even get the small vehicles versus the AT-ATs in those in that scene where it's in the desert and you see the AT-ATs in the background and you have those red speed speeder cruises with yeah. the red tails in the back. You that's like a I mean that's almost like a rip from Empire. I mean you have the the young Jedi getting stronger. I mean uh, how much I mean it's just hard when you have almost nine movies of one thing. It's just it's going to be hard to step away from all of those I know movies. A, a big argument for them being like the originals, you know, it's and I think I've mentioned this before. It's like how people say, oh, it's supposed to be po- poetic, like a poem. That's what George Lucas has said. It's supposed to be like a poem. But if you look at a poem, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't rhyme the same words over and over. You know, it's not like plagiarism isn't a poem. Oh, my God, I'm going to pass the ball. Here I am. <laughs> Guess what? You got the ball. No, you know what I mean? It's, it's poems kind of, you know, they have words that are different that rhyme. Yes, but it builds upon itself in the poem. And and if you watch the prequels, because I'm a I'm a prequel fanboy, so you call y'all can hate, but it, you're a it, prequel lover. <laughs> it, it's it kind of builds itself poetically instead of you know it being rhyming. It it is not exactly rhyming the same thing. So it it rhymes because it tells it tells a story like a like a Shakespeare poem. But mm-hmm. if you just straight you know, copy, that's, that's completely different than rhyming or being like a poem, I think. I don't know, man. Kid Rock rhymed things with things. Well, you know what? Kid Rock is also running for Senate, so whatever. <laughs> next, <laughs> The next thing is uh, San Diego Comic-Con's coming up. A lot of big things are going to be mentioned there. Uh, Chris Hawk, are you excited for some of the stuff coming out of San Diego Comic-Con? I am, um, but I'm mostly excited for them releasing that Infinity War trailer that was uh, released la- last week at uh, the D23 Expo, and let's, uh, I want to, I hope we get some, some, uh, the trailer for that, the teaser for the Infinity War trailer, because uh, it's hype. If you've read the snippets of what happens in that trailer, uh, have it's- I, I just read what you said about Captain America having a beard. Oh, dude, it's, that's my favorite part. So like it, what happens is um, Thor. So spoilers. I'm bet I'm guessing at the end of Thor Ragnarok is Thor gets beat by Thanos or something like that because it, the beginning of the teaser starts with Thor crashing into the Milano, which is the Guardians of the Galaxy ship. Hmm. They bring him on board. They do some funny stuff like you know put on your mean faces. We don't know who this guy is and something yeah. like that. And Thor wakes up. It's like hey, we need to get to Earth. Bad stuff's about to happen. We get to Earth. Uh, Wanda and Vision are like they seem to be kind of romantically linked now instead of just very friendly. Hmm. That's what pe- that's what people said from the trailer. I'm only going I, off what uh, Twitter reactions. Yeah. Which I, mean, I heard that he might be he might have a human form, but I don't know if that's true or not. It uh, that'd be neat. And then um, there's Tony, Doctor Strange, Spider Man, um, Black Widow is blonde for a little bit, and then what? Captain America has a beard. Apparently, Bucky and Black Panther are leading an army together, which sounds oh. amazing. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> it just, and then uh, Thanos is whipping, Thanos is whipping some butt, and yeah. he uh, apparently he's on Earth and he's fighting Spider Man, and Spider Man gets his butt whooped, and then Thanos is like, "I'm, I'm tired of this," and he grabs the moon and he throws it at Earth. It's what? It's freaking amazing. That's 
Uh, well, I guess we'll see he, what happens. He has the he has the Infinity Gauntlet with two stones, so I can only imagine that that's he's using two stones to do so. Speaking of uh, Avengers, the counterpart to that Justice League, uh, it's apparently it's saying uh, it's confirmed now that the villain is going to be an armored Steppenwolf, or they showed a picture of the armored Steppenwolf, but Steppenwolf is going to be the the main villain in that movie. I mean, I'm going to go off of what John Kenoki said in the group text that uh, probably won't matter who the villain is as long as the movie and the characters are good. I mean, Steppenwolf is kind of a low-key villain for the Justice League to go against. It doesn't it intrigue like, me at all. Well, have you seen the thing where Black Adam is not going to be in the Shazam movie? Like, are they just... <laughs> I, I feel like... First of all, that's frustrating because that's... I don't know how you're going to do a Shazam movie without Black Adam. But he's I, fight, I guess he's we'll fight. see. He's got to fight puberty. That's the main villain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess it seems like with all their movies, they're building, they, they're trying to build upon getting to a certain villain or a certain point. And it, it's like, it's like they're, they're trying to do that, but also do it in a way where it's too fast because they're already at a Justice League movie. And, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, building upon stuff that's that's kind of rushing through things in a way because they didn't do individual movies for a lot of things yet i thought i already watched a justice league movie what do you mean Batman v oh. superman oh yeah that's the trinity movie bro ah you're totally right wonder woman is still the best part in that movie even though she's only in it for eight minutes yeah uh steppenwolf i just i i'm not excited for it um i know that the main goal is dark side and he's a really good villain. Yeah. And I guess these are the steps you have to take to get to him. I mean, hopefully they give Steppenwolf a lot of good screen time in order to make him a, a good villain. Isn't he Darkseid's dad or something? He's, like a, he's either like first in command or something like that. I don't know a lot about Steppenwolf. Well, anyway, I'm, I mean, we're all going to go see... Uh, you know, Justice League, and obviously we're going to go see Avengers, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Got to see it. Got to see it. So we'll see what happens when they, uh, when we see more stuff on it and all that jazz, or when they come out. Another big thing in, of uh, news that, I, that uh, they released a trailer for The Disaster Artist. <laughs> Did you see that trailer, Chris Hawk? I haven't even seen The Room yet, so that's something I need to see before <laughs> this movie comes out. I mean, if you go on YouTube and just look up the funniest scenes, you've seen the room. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to fully appreciate this, this, this disaster artist by fully seeing the room. <laughs> and I think I'm, I, I think I'm just going to give in and buy it. We, it's on, we might it's on have YouTube. to. If it's, yeah, we're going to have to do it. Uh, have you seen it? I've never seen it. I've only ever seen the clips. And I watched the Tim and Eric episode where they, where they have uh, Tommy Wiseau uh, direct. <laughs> their Tim I, and Eric episode. I know he's really passionate about it because he was really trying to portray his vision in the movie. And yeah. I guess people took it in a different way because I know it, the movie's not meant to be funny. I know yeah. that. I know that. I know the memes behind it. I know the, you know, the significance behind it. Oh, I think hi, this Mark. is. Oh, hi, Mark. I just think this might be an episode for Overdue. And I know, yeah. uh, and I know the Nova, <laughs> Justin Genova, is a big fan of the the room so we might have to have him on for that one yeah that'd be cool yeah that's <laughs> that's gonna be kind of uh apparently he justin jova uh read the book uh the he one met of the, him you know he met him right 
Oh yeah, the, oh that's right, the guy who wrote the book. No, he uh, actually met Tom, he actually met Tommy. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I know he he knows about a lot about the uh, behind the scenes stuff, but he was t- he used to tell me about some of the things, and it's very it's like super interesting, and and uh, so we'll see how the movie portrays you know the behind the scenes stuff. Hopefully, um, it's not just a parody because it's. He, it's like a tragic character. He wanted, he wanted this to be serious. So I just hope they're not, because it looked like there was a lot of comedian actors in, in that movie. You know, maybe he'll Seth cameo. Rogen, Seth Rogen, Paul Scheer, and all them. Yeah. It's just hopefully it's not a too funny movie. What you see from that type of guy, those type of guys, you know? Yeah, we'll see. Um, let's see. Uh, Stan Lee got the uh, his hand printed and stuff at the Chinese theater. His feet and hands. That's uh, Kevin, long overdue. Yeah, Kevin Smith, uh, Chadwick Boseman was there, um, James Gunn, a lot of uh, Kevin Feige was there, and uh, I was the watching fi- the, the figs. The figs. Uh, Kevin Smith, I was watching his live thing of it, and he was like getting into it, man. He was like legend. He was yelling stuff, and it's pretty cool. It 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 was uh it was pretty neat to see that. Yeah, we think of Kevin as like the DC fanboy, but. Really, he he's like a comic fanboy. He loves all the comics, because I even because he's even written for uh, Marvel at some point also. So, um, the only other thing I wanted to bring up was the uh, Mark Ruffalo <laughs> uh, saying stuff in that interview, and you know people making fun of it with the memes about um, everyone dying in Infinity War and stuff like that, and Don Cheadle looking at him like, "Dude, what the heck? Shut up!" Wait, I <laughs> I don't remember this one. What happened? I guess there was an interview at the DC uh, 20, or D23, and some interview asked him about the movie in certain terms. He's like, what are we going to expect in this movie? And he goes, he says, it's going to be like a typical Marvel movie. Like, there's going to be something happening at the end, and, or some kind of sadness that uh, also leads into something, or he's, something along those lines. Not his exact words. And then he's he and then the interviewer said, "Oh, that's interesting or something," and you know that's that's pretty neat. And then he said another thing, or John Cheadle was like, "Whoa, man, chill out." And he goes, "He goes, yeah, but everyone is like supposed to die, like everyone's gonna die. It's crazy or something." And Don Cheadle looked at him and he was just like, "What the like, dude, chill out." And he goes, "Oh, that's, am I gonna get in trouble for that?" That's and I don't know funny. if it's like a joke, yeah. But People have made memes about it, like, uh, <laughs> like I saw one today. It was like Mark Mark Ruffalo movie reviews, and it was like Titanic, and it go, he go they show him, and he's like the, uh, the the Titanic sinks or stuff like that. It's pre- it's pretty hilarious. That's almost as funny as um. So Tom Holland is now he's now come out as notorious for not being able to keep a secret, and so he's actually li- uh, like flibbed some things that happened in Homecoming. And uh, they were true. And so what happens is they haven't, they've, it, it's confirmed that they haven't even given him a complete script of Infinity War. Like there was a, there was a part where he was interviewed where he didn't even know who, we, who, we, who he was fighting during the scene. That's how secret wow. this is, secretive it is. So like he was in an interview with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Holland was about to answer a question in which he was about to reveal some things. And Benedict Cumberbatch, like a good babysitter he was, had to, had to stop him. And so it's, it's, it's hilarious. That's insane. Because you can see Benedict Cumberbatch's eyes light up. <laughs> yeah, dude, go watch that Don Cheadle, Mark Ruffalo uh, interview. It's, it's, 
I don't know if it's just, you know, trying to yank your chain, trying to get, you know, trying to get people talking, but it's, it's pretty funny that when, um, especially when people like add things to it, like they're like, uh, when Don Cheadle looks at him, they zoom in on Don Cheadle's face and they're like, oh my God, <laughs> shut up, Mark. <laughs> uh, but that's all the news. <laughs> that's all the news I have. Um, let's, I say we, we get right into, uh, war for the planet of the apes. Let's do it. Welcome to the main So event. this is the. The third, is it Matt Reeves? Yes. Matt Reeves um, has directed, I don't know if he's directed all three. I know he's directed Dawn in uh, War for, I guess I could uh, look that up. He's the director of this, tr- of, of this trilogy, I believe. And writer. And writer? Yeah, he wrote it. Wow, that's, that's pretty neat. Um, I didn't know about the writing part. But uh, 2011, Rise of the Planet of the Apes came out, and then 2014, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes came out, which was my favorite movie of that year. Um, and now, you know, War for the Planet of the Apes. And I, I think they've had a good spacing in between them to kind of build upon the trilogy. Um, I, think, I think this really showcases, in my opinion, that you can kind of reboot a franchise, even though it's not, it's not technically rebooting a franchise. It, well, I guess in a way, because it's telling a different uh, timeline, if you think about it from the originals, because... Well, isn't it, isn't it almost a reboot of Conquest and Battle? Yeah. Kinda. It, yeah, kinda, because there's Planet of the Apes, there's Beneath the Planet of the Apes, there's uh, Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Uh, the next one, I believe, is Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which is the rising of the apes and stuff, because they, they start to use them for... They start to notice them evolving, so they kind of start using them for slave or slave work. And did it, uh, did it, is it true that all I haven't seen it, but I've I've been reading about it. So all the pets in the world die, and so that you start using chimps and apes as pets. Is that true? I think so. I could be wrong. That is that is so nuts. Yeah, it's so sci-fi, <laughs> it's so goofy, so cheesy sci-fi. But because in Escape, for they they rebuild the ship to escape the planet. And then they go through the same wormhole Charlton Heston came through in the first one. They end up in 70s uh, America, and they realize that they're smart and they can talk and stuff. So they kind of, uh, they kind of, and then they have a baby, which is uh, Caesar, but he doesn't get his name until Conquest. He kind of. I know um, Cornelius has Caesar instead of the other way around in, in these series. Yes, which is kind of cool. And. Um, and yeah, and Conquest Caesar, you know, helps them rise. And there's a really good quote in Conquest. Um, if you get a chance to watch it, I mean, some of it is really cheesy, but once they start revolting, there's somewhere where he, he does this, uh, I think he, he, I forget what he says, but there's some really good dialogue in that one scene that I, I really love. And then, uh, the next one's battle for the planet of the apes, which is hot garbage. Um, (laughs) but you know, I, I don't know. It, that's that's more like this one because the humans that are left try to come back and you know fight the apes and they're driving school buses and all kinds of stuff across this big gap of land that you know 20th Century Fox probably owned. <laughs> uh, so so uh, I guess we'll get into general thoughts. What you what do you think of uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, Chris Hawk? I definitely think it was misnamed. Um, I think. This should have been Rise instead of War, but I mean that's neither here or there. That's just. But um, I was 
I was surprised. I didn't think it, the movie was going to be spoilers. Uh, I don't know if it's too big spoilers, but uh, this movie is basically 90% apes, and I didn't expect that at all. I was, I was floored. Because I, I don't know if it's um, in Rise, we start, I think we start with the human interaction first and then apes, or apes, I think, it, does it go apes, human, apes, human, or does it start humans, then apes? You, for Rise? Yeah. Rise is when they start to, when it's the human, humans uh, experimenting with the Alzheimer's the disease, uh, trying to cure Alzheimer's, because his dad, James Franco's dad has Alzheimer's, so and I, and I think it's I'm more their side. And then Dawn is kind of like a mixture of the two, where they kind of blend the human side with the, you know, the apes side. And then this one, I would say, is straight more like... Um, I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, this, these, these movies are just so... They're so solid. They're, you don't usually see trilogies this solid. Like, this reminds me of how The Lord of the Rings are like the epitome of a good trilogy series. Or how like Star Wars is is just as good. This I think this should be reveled in how great this series is because of you have phenomenal CGI, you have great acting, or at least manage, uh, like good enough acting from the human characters and better acting from the apes. You have, I mean, you have plausible like sci-fi. You have the like the dystopia sci-fi. Even though it's not my favorite type of sci-fi, it's still a good sci-fi of you know what-if scenarios and pandemic situations of, uh, you know, and nature versus human and all that. It's, it's a good, it's a good movie. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a, a fantastic movie. Um, uh, I thought, I thought the movie, I was blown away. I, I felt like with each one, it got, it seriously got better. Like, I thought Rise was, Rise was good. Rise is probably my least favorite. Um, but I see what you mean about the titles. Like, this one, Rise, it's weird to say Rise and then Dawn. Maybe the first one could have been Dawn, and then the second one could be War, and then, is that what you said? And then the third that, one could that's, be... That's what I was thinking. Uh, I think the first one could have been Rise, or Dawn, Dawn, Dawn fits, but maybe Rise would be at the end, because it really is the Rise of the Apes, because, spoilers, if we get to the end of the movie, if we talk, when we talk about the end of the movie, it basically is Rise. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I thought, th- I, think, I think they get better with each one like oh yeah i agree because uh rise like i was saying was my is kind of my i would say is my least favorite it's a good movie james franco's actually fantastic in it he's yeah uh it was it was a good um kind of start to this whole trilogy to this whole trilogy um dawn is like i said that was my favorite movie 2014 i yeah it was i saw that movie five times in theaters (laughs) like it's crazy to think about Absolutely loved it. I love Planet of the Apes. So, you know, as a fan of the original, I think it's it's definitely a good. It, it was definitely a good way to take it, and and I'll get more into the 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 time the way the timeline is can be a different timeline. But this one was just this one was so much like I I was debating. I was like, is this as good or is this better? And then like the more I thought about it after the movie, I I thought it was I thought it was better. I was like, they just. They're upping, the, like, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. They up the ante. I'm excited. <laughs> I think we should just get into spoiler talk because I want to break this movie down. Let's do um, it. I don't know how else to generalize it other than we need to talk about this movie and spoilers. Oh, God. So here we go. 
uh, spoiler territory, we're going to get down nitty gritty. Chris Hawk, what do you think of Caesar in this one compared to uh, Dawn? I think they fully fleshed out Caesar's character, and I think him speaking more helps. Um, they truly make him... There's, uh, there's definite nods to biblical figures to Caesar, oh, yeah. like, uh, like Moses. Mm-hmm. And they especially definitely, in this one. Ste- def- uh, especially in this one. It's almost, it's almost transparent how much they liken him to Moses. And I like that a lot. I think it's pretty cool. It humanizes Caesar and makes him, especially with him whole grappling with uh, anger, because, spoilers, uh, his family kind of gets owned in the beginning of the movie, which I did not expect. Oh, dude, I did not expect that either. I I was, I was, that's rough. And Caesar holds this grudge the entire movie, and you want him to act on it, because it's a deserving type of anger. It's, it's, you know, they've done so much bad to you, you need to repay them. That's, this is the kind of thing that people go to jail for. Like, um, if somebody kills their kids, you're going to retaliate in kind. It's, this is the type of uh, martial punishment that uh, people go to prison for the rest Vigilante of their lives for. Vigilante justice. Vigilante justice. So Caesar, I, I like Caesar a lot in this movie, even though he had like, he had, um, until the end of the movie, he was basically invincible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I liked Caesar. I, I, I agree. I think they definitely flushed him out more in this one. Um, you get more, you get a more sense of him, uh, definitely emotionally. Um, let me tell you, man, uh, I don't, uh, people can crap on mocap and how you can edit stuff with behind the, the CGI. So you don't know exactly what the actor's doing, but Andy Serkis is a freaking mocap like master. Like, can we, th- did the CGI of this, of the apes take you out at all in the entire movie? No, like I, I thought no, it was, they didn't. I thought it was kind of real at some parts. Like it looked real. It could, I could, you know, I, I could see an ape like who, the humans, like the actors mocapping. Like I, I could see an ape doing some of that stuff. It was crazy. Like I, I was just like that. That could be real. Like that could be a real ape that they just used and, you know, I don't know CGI to ape over or whatever. But yeah, these I, are real monkeys trained to act. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and do sign language. You'll see in my later grade when I get to my final summary, there are some issues within the, I guess, build to the second act I had. But I think, I, th- I agree. I think this uh, Caesar was definitely more fleshed out in this one. And that, you know, that I, I think in the second one, he was kind of, you can kind of have ties to like Martin Luther King and, you know, this one to Moses. The first one, um, obviously, you can also kind of relate to Moses in a lot of ways. Like this one, I think, had a lot of elements of both. Um, rise and dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you were saying, when his spoilers, when his family gets killed, probably what like twenty minutes into the movie, maybe not 20, 30 even. minutes, not even. And it's a great introduction for Woody Harrelson's character too, because he just he just waltzes in there and just puts yeah. his name all over everything. It just it's a pretty demoralizing thing to see your family killed, and then ex- like the the guy that killed it escape that's pretty brutal how about when he was in how about when he escapes and gets on top of that mountain that was kind of um kind of neat that imagery like him hanging on the wire or you know hanging on uh caesar and then you 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 know that you can see in the background on top of the mountain woody harrelson 
climbing up on top of that mountain or whatever. Yeah, it's it's a pretty neat symbol uh, because when they meet at the very end of the movie, it's the roles are pretty reversed. Yeah, that is that's a that is a cool take to mention or a cool take, whatever you know the terminology would be. That's an interesting take to mention. I, what do you think of the music, especially in that whole scene? Um, I mean, this thing started off with a bang. Like there was the big uh, gunfight and stuff. And what do you think of that? Like that, I thought that was a great way to open up this movie. So the music is done by uh, Michael, and I can never pronounce his last name, but it's uh, the guy that did the music for Rogue Gia, Giannaccia, Giannaccia. Yeah, something weird like that. Giannucci. I know, who, I know, who, I know who, I know who you mean though. But yeah, he did. Uh, he did the music for Rogue One and Spider-Man: Homecoming. So he's he's of the like the same. He was tutored and taught by um, John Williams. So there's like some. So you can definitely feel an essence of that. But I think the music. Did you get some planet like old Planet of the Ape vibes from the music? Yes, I did, dude. Especially in the cave, like um, when. The people come when he sees the people slide down, and he's like telling them, uh, they're they alert the security or the guards, the other guards to the gorilla. And that music, uh, that's there was oh my god, that's that was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie because, uh, not only did it lead to that, you know, very emotional thing that Woody Harrelson did, you know, to his wife and, uh, to his two, to his, uh, son, Blue Eyes, man, that the, um, the music kind of set the tone in that that whole scene, you know. Like uh, I, I can't describe the the sound, but you you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, it's it's so retro almost. It's it's supposed to. I don't know what it's supposed to do, but it it definitely got me in like the old '80s style. I mean '70s style Planet of the Apes movie, and I was like, I'm feeling some cool vibes for this movie. I thought this the soundtrack was. Uh, dude, the whole soundtrack was phenomenal. I, I think they play that same score in that cave scene later on, um, towards the end of the movie, uh, when uh, when they're uh, rescuing all the apes. Uh, what what do you think? What do you think of the new ape that they introduced? Uh, bad ape. Uh, Steve Steve Zane played uh, the Zahn. bad ape. Steve Zahn. Zahn. Um, yeah, whatever. Um, they did try to introduce like a humor aspect, and I I thought it was okay. He was, he was, de- I mean, he definitely made me laugh because I, I usually laugh at everything, but <laughs> uh, I don't know if it felt, he felt like uh, Christopher Lloyd in uh, Back to the Future a little bit. He felt like that kind of character where oh, a bit too, inse- uh, a bit too eccentric. Yeah. Type of, uh, and a little too convenient, maybe. I got Caesar. that vibe too at some parts. I definitely liked when they first met him. Like, I thought that was a cool dynamic to introduce like this, maybe, uh, you know, ape who, you know, can also talk and he, uh, he's, he's kind of smart, but he's not like, because he can talk, but he's not as intelligent as, you know, Caesar. And I, I he kind of is, comes off as a crazy, as crazy or, yeah. you know, kind of insane. And it, I feel like I've kind of seen that dynamic before in some other movies, but I thought that was a cool little, uh, thing to add in this movie but i did feel that same way with his character where uh his com his comedy did feel a little forced at some parts or he was just there to lighten the mood because the movie is um it's it's gritty it's dark yeah it's definitely it's definitely dark 
Like, it's kind of scary at some parts, too. Like, uh, the whole disease mutating. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool way, um, instead of, like, saying humans forgot how to talk, yeah, nod to I'm, the first one. I was, I was going to bring that up. I was, I'm, I was pretty glad they... Like, it's kind of... It's kind of... I wouldn't say shoehorned, but it's... I, I liked the... the, the uh, the definition that they gave for that. I, I was pleased with, I was like, you know what? I could deal with that type of, you know, like one of the first things to go when you have Alzheimer's is speaking. So I see how when you tried to make this virus secure it, it's mutating to get stronger. And the first thing to go is you become mute. And I, I, I like that. I like the uh, definition they gave for that. I was, I was like, you yeah, know, that's cool. And uh, one, of the, one of the new characters who is mute, um, Nova, who is kind of the same name as the character from the original that uh, hangs around with Charlton Heston. What do you think of the Nova character? She was cool. Uh, some of the scenes I felt kind of forced, like when she cries over um, Luca. Uh, I don't think it was deserving because they just met, but it was still. It was. I mean, it was still a powerful scene. I just didn't think it. It was that deserving. It kind of happened having, real fast, like yeah, because they, they kind of just built their connection, and I think that's my my issue, my kind of issue I can see people having with it is, uh, or me, my take on why people have an issue with it because it does feel real quick because he you know he, they kind of he kind of builds a connection with the girl, and then you know he's kind of stabbed, which you know which I was. I was like, no, come on, man. No, another gorilla. Did you feel like he died kind of easy? Because I, th- I was like, no, what? I, I mean, I guess, I guess I thought, because I think it, I thought it took a lot to kill an ape. I guess. Like a gorilla? I, yeah, a gorilla. I thought, it, I really did think it I guess it depends on that. where you stab him. I guess. He could have, could have ruptured an artery, bled out, who knows, you know? But uh, I was glad Maurice didn't die. Maurice is. Again, my favorite character in the entire series. Well, I think Maurice is going to take over because in the first Planet of the Apes, as you know, the orangutans are taken over. I kind of want to mention some of the nods to the original real quick. Um, Go ahead. There's, I think there's there, some of the words written on the human base are in the, uh, the ape uh, law. I thought that was kind of neat. Um, the the little scarecrows they put up is the scarecrows that are left in the forbidden zone in the original one and there was yeah, a, I remember that I remember that there was another nod in well they said something about the desert um them walking the beach is definitely a nod to the original uh the nova character is definitely a nod to the original nova character there were some other things I saw, and I totally just, I'm leaving it blank, but when I saw it in the theater, I was, I was, I was like, man, that's, that's an original, that's an original. And uh, my uncle was probably getting, because I saw this movie with my uncle, he was probably getting real annoyed, because not only was I mentioning stuff to him, talking, but there was people behind us talking, they brought their baby, and people's phones were going off next to me, like their alert tones. It was ridiculous, but it didn't distract me on how great this movie was, in my opinion. <laughs> Um, who was your favorite character other than Caesar? Uh, I definitely like uh, Maurice. Maurice yeah, is definitely Mar- uh, a favorite. I think, I think the best thing about Maurice is that he can disagree with Caesar and not be seen as uh, like a Koba. Like, there's many times in this movie where he completely disagrees with Caesar, but Caesar still he's his advice and all that type of thing. 
Yeah, he's the voice of reason for Caesar, and I, I really like that aspect of uh, his character. Um, another favorite would probably be... I do like Rocket. Oh, man, Rocket's... The sh- he's the best. <laughs> is, is he your favorite? Who's your favorite character, Chris Hawk? <sighs> I, I mean, it's a t- it might be a tie between... Uh, like a three-way tie between um, Maurice, uh, Rocket, and Koba. Because I think Koba's still... A character in how this about, movie. Yeah, how about that dynamic where Koba is kind of mentally still there Real for talk? Caesar? Real talk, I think Koba is a better villain than Woody Harrelson's character. But, I mean, it's not a knock against Woody Harrelson's villain. I just think Koba, I mean, this movie made Koba just a better villain because he has longer, longer lasting impressions upon Caesar than anyone else. And I feel like them doing that just makes Koba a better villain. Because even though Caesar overcame him, there's still resonance of them there. Of like, and like he even says that he, he's becoming Koba in the movie. And I just think that's like one of the best, pow- most powerful imagery in this movie is Caesar turning to the dark side, just like how Batman did in The Dark Knight. You know, just the dark yeah. side. I, and, I agree. I, I think it's it's very powerful. Um, the uh, symbolism of that, and it kind of made me think of. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of Batman, it made me think of Arkham Knight because uh, Batman's dealing with uh, the Joker and he has some of the Joker's DNA in him. So he sees the Joker and the Joker's constantly messing with him. It kind of reminded me of that, but this is definitely uh, more symbolic because of the way he the, the built up anger and fresh in, you know, and revenge. He's he's becoming Koba. And, you know, when he sees him and stuff, it's it's done really well. And I love that dynamic in this movie. That element. Uh, speaking of Woody Harrelson, that you you brought up him as a villain. What? Uh, How do you feel about Woody Harrelson? I thought he did really good. I mean, his arc was kind of predictable. I kind of figured he was going to go out the way he did. Um, but I definitely, I definitely liked how he was his the like the religious undertones for him too. Just like how he's Abraham and he's about to sac- he sacrifices his son, his son. But when God's not there to stop him. Because in, in, in the Bible, Abraham goes to sacrifice his son because the Lord told him to. And the Lord stops him at the last second. But in this one, Woody Harrelson kills his son. And it's like he was expecting someone to stop him, but at the same, but he, no one's there to stop him. So it's like, it's, it's kind of that type of thing. He feels like he is like the harbinger of, of peace. And it's, it's like a fanatic, fanaticism. And it's, it's kind of scary because there are actually people like this in the world. I really do like that uh, aspect of the character. I, I liked the character more definitely when I got to meet him in that scene uh, with Caesar. Uh, when you, you know, when you do, you get the sense that he believes he has to carry out this duty to help the human race survive. And I think with that scene, you kind of get a sense that he's a he's in the gray area. He's like a gray character. Um, he's most deaf, you know, not a good guy. But for some reason, I get the sense that he's not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, I liked I liked the fact that he acknowledged how uh, competent Caesar was. Like he like yeah. There's a couple lines in there where he was like impressive, <laughs> very impressive. Vader, most impressive. Yeah, it was a cool scene. Um, I liked how he uh, reminded me of Marvin Brando from Apocalypse Now. Yeah, most definitely. Very very crazy. I like the character. Um, I think he was a good element to the movie. 
but what do you think of his final moments? Uh, super spoiler right here, um, especially when he picks up the doll from uh, Nova. Did you think that's what, that, that's what turned him, or it just happened? I thought that's what turned him. Because I, I didn't... Because ca- uh, sh- she was sick. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't catch that the first time. I actually had to, you know, like, you know, rewind and you know, read up on it. I, I just thought it was going to happen, which to me felt, felt more um, uh, fortuitous for the apes. I didn't like, get that anything sense. that could have gone wrong for the humans happened, and anything that could have gone good for the apes happened so the the last third act of the movie for me felt too good for the apes hmm. and I, I think that can like contributed to it because i was like so the, the colonel the avalanche the other army mm-hmm. it was just this is a lot all good stuff for the apes i mean obviously there's uh still humans out there i, I saw a thing online that said this leads right into the uh, original movie you know but to me it doesn't um the first plane of the apes is like what three hundred years in the future? Was it? Isn't the year like twenty two thirteen or something like that? Or it's it's something like that. Yeah, it's it's up there. I mean, there there's definitely subtle tie-ins or um, things that uh, allow allow the atmosphere to evolve into the OG movie. Um, it it basically sets up the entire Planet of the Apes universe, or sets up the entire first movie. I thought this trilogy's done. I haven't heard anything if they're going to continue. I mean, I don't want them to continue, really. I mean, they could maybe in a little later on. I don't know. Um, because it, it kind of leads you open to speculation of how the world will change when you get to the uh, original movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that um, basically this trilogy made you sympathize with apes more than humans, whereas the first Planet of the Apes makes you sympathize, of course, with the humans instead of the apes? Um, I mean, I thought Planet of the Apes kind of always was a sympathize, uh, with the apes. Well, more so, um, see the, the bad in humans because, I mean, in, in Escape from the Planet of the Apes, it, you know, it shows you the bad side of humans with the government and how the government, um, was back then because it was the 70s, you know, they kind of had elements of the time frames they were in or of humans at certain moments. Because, uh, I mean, Dr. Zayas says in the original one, you know, humans are the harbinger of death. And, you know, Charlton Heston hates people. And, you know, humans blew up the planet because you see the Statue of Liberty. Um, human, you know, this definitely, um, well, in, in Conquest, you know, humans uh, enslave apes. You know, uh, I think this shows that humans will make mistakes. Uh, there's a lot of symbolism to civil rights, slavery. Uh, you know, especially to biblical stuff. So I don't know. I, I mean, I can see where you're coming from, Hawk, but it's always been there to me that people are kind of the villain to themselves. Um, but I think it also definitely shows that, you know, people can change for the better. So is there uh, anything else you wanted to uh, bring up, Hawk? I think we do. I have some negatives. Yeah. What are some of your negatives, Hawk? Um, I felt this movie was kind of predictable. I, um, I kind of called Caesar dying in the end. Um, I didn't get you that. You kind of figure that the By apes the way, spoilers. Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I mean, if we said Moses at the beginning, you can, you can assume that Caesar's going to die. <laughs> um, I, I, I wished Caesar died in the last one, honestly. I think, I think it would have been a bit more impactful for the apes to continue on without him. 
And I think it would have meant a little bit more because it's it feels like Caesar willed the apes to survive the, the third movie. And I mean, I I would have liked to see them build on their own, but I, I mean, I could see why. C- I mean, Nova and Maurice kind of saved Caesar. They kind of, um, you know, they were kind of like his backbone or, you know, Rocket and uh, certain apes. But I, I, I had a feeling that Caesar was going to survive into the end. So that for the scenes where he was going to get hurt or anything, I, I, it, was not, it wasn't as tense for me because I knew that Caesar was going to survive. So that, that took a little bit out of the movie for me. But not, I mean, not enough because it was still definitely enjoyable. Um, yeah, I can see that. I think that's uh, other than the part where I said that it felt like Destiny was helping the apes win, and it wasn't their own their own skill or actions. Where because you got the the colonel becoming ill, you have uh, the other army, you have it. Just it felt. I think it felt true to the theme of the movie that nature was beating humans because humans tried to beat nature. Yeah, but I felt like the apes didn't earn it. But I mean. They kind of did. I mean, it's not, it's not really a complaint as it is just an observation that the apes, the apes kind of stood in the background while the humans messed with each other and then destroyed themselves. Yeah, towards the end there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only negatives I really had was uh, I thought the first to the second act was, was um, it, it kind of rushed. It was kind of rushed. In my, it felt rushed, in my opinion. Um, you know, obviously I enjoyed the movie all the way through. But for some reason, that uh, first I think the best second. part of the movie is the first two acts before they get to the prison. I mean, I enjoyed the movie all the way through. Yeah, I just for some, uh, it, it's my only negative that I had. I, I just felt mm-hmm. like from the find, time they find Nova to when they find the bad ape, it just felt kind of rushed to me. Um, you, know, I mean, it didn't really bother me. So maybe it could be just a, a personal nitpick more than anything. Pick. But uh, what what are some of your uh, positives, Chris Hawk? I think uh, the CGI is just incredible. I could talk about it for days and how how it just it just it just blended well within the movie. How Caesar looked like Clint Eastwood sometimes, and how like when he shot the guy with the shotgun, and he came out he came out me mugging like a champ. Uh, that was just beautiful. Um, Maurice actually looked like a real orangutan when he was interacting with Nova. I think that was one of the best shots of the movie for me when he's giving the doll to her and you could see like the individual hairs on the top of his head. The CGI is just I th- this movie needs to win something. It needs to win all of it. The uh, the um the interactions between Caesar and the Colonel, I think were just the best some great scenes. Especially when you have Woody Harrelson acknowledging the hero and how he's a good hero actually i kind of like that with the villain when he acknowledges his ad- his adversary i like it a lot i like how they're sparring each other seeing uh, how far each will uh can stand each other i liked it a lot yeah i liked a lot of that too um the whole movie for me personally is a positive um besides the rushing you know where i felt um you know which could be a nitpick so you know that there weren't much flaws in this movie to me you know i I loved the movie. Um, some things you mentioned may have affected my final grade, as you will see. Uh-oh. Uh, one, one, one last thing I wanted to bring up was um, I love the seasonal changes of all three movies. So in Rise, it's kind of the summer. In Dawn, it's fall. And then for War, 
it's mainly winter until you get to the end of the movie where it turns spring. So I really like the seasonal aspect of these movies and how it changes the at the uh it, the environment. It's it's a good backdrop. Yeah, I agree. So I say let's let's get into our uh, final summary and grades. Let's do it. Um, I'll go first. Uh, I love Planet of the Apes. Uh, I think this is um a good new timeline in the uh, saga of Planet of the Apes that they created. Uh, to go off of a classic, you know, which is a fantastic. Uh, I love this movie. It's uh, worthy of the Planet of the Apes, or to be in the Planet of the Apes family. Uh, this is definitely better than uh, anything after the first movie to me. Um, I love the acting. I love the, the directing. I love the, the score, the music. I love the symbolisms. I, I'm, this movie just deserves more than a CGI award when it comes to uh, Oscar season. And uh, it, it definitely needs more credit. Uh, it deserves more credit when we get there. I'm keeping my uh, final summary grade uh, just short, short and sweet here. I, I love this movie. I already said it. I, I, think, it's, it's, I think it's great. Um, the acting was fantastic. Um, it's great. It's just great. Um, I'm going to give War for the Planet of the Apes a uh, 9.7 out of 10. Oh, wow. Was there a perfect score before? Yeah, before you ruined it. <laughs> wow, Mario. That's uh I I I think I I figured it was going to be your highest grade when uh you said it in the group text. So, War for the Planet of the Apes. I still believe the title is a misnomer and I think it should be Rise, but that's neither here or there. Um cuz really the war happened in the in the middle movie. That was the big war. And this one it's a war be- I mean, you could probably say it's the war between the humans that they're talking about, which makes a lot of sense, and uh, and I'll I'll put the bed to that. So again, I just want to stress the CGI, the special effects, the even when they're fighting, even when it's bright, it's super bright in the CGI. I thought it was just top notch. It is some of the best I've seen in a movie, and all I think all three movies benefit from the CGI and how dang good it is, especially Caesar. Caesar is such a good character, and it's it's. Very startling when you start to sympathize with the main character that's not your own type of, you know, animal. It, it's, it's very startling. So they did a really good job of characterizing Caesar and making me want to root for him. That's really hard to do in these types of movies. Like, usually people sympathize with, you know, humans. The best parts of this movie are the tender scenes in, in which you see the apes trying to live their lives bearing any human catastrophic uh, interactions. And I think those scenes you see them in the movie and the caves when they're trying to find the promised land, is, it's just wonderful stuff. When you see them in like the inner circle, and I think this movie shows a lot of heart, and I think that's what some of the big blockbusters are missing, is breathable heart in movies. So I'm going to liken this movie to, of course, I mentioned Moses at the beginning of the podcast. So it's the Prince of Egypt movie where you have, you know, you have slave, you have slavery, you have, you have um, leading your people to the promised land. Caesar is basically Moses. He, um, he has things that haunt him like his brother or Koba. Brother. You have the avalanche or symbol of God, like the parting of the Red Sea and the avalanche. You have him. He. What happens is Moses leads his people to the promised land, but he ne- is never able to enter it. 
And so Caesar basically is at the cusp of the promised land and his people get to rejoice because they get to, you know, embrace it. But he is the one that's, he's basically the only one that's left out. So that, that one was that one. You have, I mean, you have them in the concentration camps too, working and stuff, but it's, it's very, it's a very small part of the movie. So I'm, I'm not going to dwell on it that much. And my ask, my actually, my last movie, I only picked two movies, is Avatar. Really? Because I think it's something important. I think it's something important. I mean, I know it gets a lot of a flack, but I think it's something important when you're able to spe- when you're able to sympathize with a character that's not human. So when you sympathize with the navvies and not the humans in Avatar, it's it's a pretty special thing because the humans are kind of the bad guys in that one also. Even though there's good humans and bad humans, there's still you're still rooting against the bad humans, and that's still rooting against your own kind. So I, mean, I think it's still I think it's. That part is important for Avatar, and also the CGI for, for Avatar, because the, both the CGI and the CGI for you know, Planet of the Apes, they're heralded as being some of the best things. So I, I hope that Planet of the Apes, Wharf, Planet of the Apes, Rise, and Dawn are recognized just as much as Avatar for their, you know, their, their CGI, because they're all incredible. Hopefully uh, this gets more recognition at the Oscars than Avatar, because I thought it was a way better movie. Well. To me, anyway. Hopefully. Uh, Chris Hawk compared this to uh, Prince of Egypt and Avatar and his uh, similarity Rubicon. Um, I gave War for the Planet of the Apes a uh, seven, 9.7 out of 10. High praise. Um, that's our take for uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. As usual, let us know uh, your thoughts on the movie on social media or email us at uh, cinema7 at gmail or cinema7podcast at gmail.com. Sorry about that. Uh, Towards the end, uh, stay with us. Uh, John's gonna, you know, tell you more about Cinema 7 and uh, tell you about what... Hold up, hold up, We gotta thank your mom. Oh, that's right. We gotta uh, (laughs) thank my, uh, thank my mom. Um, Thanks, mom, for uh, being the sole patron. Uh, Look up our patron page if you want to help... Help support the podcast. All the proceeds will uh, go towards the podcast, buying more better mics, better equipment. Um, I think we sound pretty great right now when we uh, record over Skype on our Yetis and stuff, but we have uh, other mics we use when we uh, record in public and it, or when we record in person and they just are awful. So, you know, anything to help out the podcast would be great. Look us up on Patreon, Cinema 7 Podcast. We have a little thing on there description it tells you about us we're gonna make a uh, intro video for it soon <laughs> but uh thank you mom uh, yes thank you bob thanks for uh supporting the podcast uh but like i said stay with us towards the end uh john's gonna uh tell you a little about us and uh where to find us thanks for listening uh like i said check us out on social media and all that chris hawk take it away all right so As always, from Cinema 7, we want to thank you for listening with us. We want to thank you for watching with us. And we want to thank you for exploring with us. Bye.
Hey, this is John Kenogi with Cinema 7, a entertainment slash gaming slash uh, all around media podcast. Um, just coming at you to give you uh, a little bit about what we do and what we've got going on. Uh, we do a couple different episodes. Uh, we have an hour take episode. We discuss movie news, what movie we just saw, our opinion on it. Um, we've recently done Wonder Woman, The Mummy, uh, other things coming up. Uh, we do pitch it or fix it. We pitch a movie. For instance, we've done a Venom, Mace Windu movie. Or we fix a movie. We plan to fix movies that we thought could have been better or had potential. We do gaming episodes about the various gaming things going on in uh, that realm of media. We do Fire and Ice specials where uh, my co-hosts, Chris Hawk and Mari Bakari, uh, disagree on something. So they debate it out on air on podcast while I moderate and hopefully they don't kill each other in front of me. Uh, we do also do Overdue, um, those movies that everybody says you should have seen that we haven't seen. Um, if you haven't seen The Godfather, you should have seen it. So we're going to talk about it because we haven't seen it either, for instance. And we do take twos where we take a second look at movies that we initially didn't like or didn't think were that great. And we just see if maybe it got better. Maybe it holds up. Uh, we just, you know, see what's going on there. Uh, but you can check us out on Facebook, uh, Cinema 7, you can find us. Uh, Twitter, Cinema 7 underscore podcast. You can uh, find us on Patreon, Cinema 7. It's easily searchable. We have plenty of reward tiers. You donate us a dollar. I'll mention your name on the podcast, even if you don't listen to it. Uh, we're on every other social media, Instagram, Facebook, Gmail, Google, I, Google Cast. We're there. So just uh, give us a listen. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. Subscribe to our newsletter or don't. That's up to you. Uh, but thanks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>